Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham here with Scott again. Welcome back, Scott. Sean, hi. So we are here to talk about the men's field, the men's tournament at the 2018 Olympic Games in Pyongyang, South Korea. Whoa, whoa, Pyongyang, South Korea. Damn. Uh, I was so I read so many articles this morning about the North Koreans who were there at the uh-huh. opening ceremony and how this is whole thing, and so I. I got confused between the two. But yes, in Pyeongchang, South Korea, even though the curling center is not in Pyeongchang, South Korea, from all accounts. No, but pretty close. Yeah. So we're here. We're going to break this down by the teams. We are aware that as we release this, the mixed doubles is not finished yet, but we wanted to get this out before the men's tournament starts. We will do a full recap of the mixed doubles once that event is over and provide you our thoughts and breakdown of that. Also look out, we are going to do a women's one as well. We're going to separate them into two different podcasts because there's so much to talk about. Lots to talk about here. Lots of great great curling teams. There are. So it's it's an interesting field. So 10 teams. So let's just go through real quick the countries who are here. Okay. And then we'll go through each team based on the order of merit. The order of merit ranking, yeah. And we'll, we'll break it down like that. And so the 10 teams... On the men's side, the 10 countries represented on the men's side, Canada, Denmark, Great Britain, Italy, Japan, Korea, Norway, Switzerland, Sweden, and the United States of America. Mm-hmm. So those are the 10 teams now, or the 10 countries, excuse me. So let's go through and we'll break down each team, as we say, in the order that they appear on the World Curling Federation Order of Merit. That's right. So... Most people, I think, would just naturally expect that the Canadian team would be first because they're probably the favorite in the field. But Scotty, they're not. They would be wrong. Yeah, uh, Nicholas Adine, team out of Sweden, uh, number one on the World Curling Tour Order of Merit, and uh, I would say with Team Canada, one of the two gold medal favorites for this event. Yeah, you would think that they would have to be co-favorites, the two of them in this field. I would think. Um, so I pulled up here. So this is. Nicholas Adine's third Olympic Games. He lost the bronze medal game in 2010. He won it in 2014. But the thing to remember about Nicholas Adine, or at least this team Sweden, is that there's been a lot of changes over the years to his team. That's right. The, that's the, right. the players who are here this year are not necessarily the same who he's played with before. No, he, he had a great team with him in Sweden, and there was another young team coming up, skipped by Oscar Erickson, and uh, Nicholas Adin said, you know what, uh, get out of here, you other guys. I want to take this young team on. So anyway, took this young team, and, and they're playing gangbusters the last couple of years. I'm looking at the money list right now, too, for this season, and they're the only team that's topped $100,000 Canadian in this, uh, this year's earnings. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, so they're uh, for sure a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so... Yeah, like you mentioned, Oscar Erickson was there in 2014. He was their fifth for that tournament. But the other three players, Sebastian Krupp, Frederick Lindbergh, Victor Jal. Jal, yeah. Uh, they're not there anymore, of course. So now Oscar Erickson is in that third position. Rasmus Rana is second. And Christopher Sundegrind 
is the lead. I like saying all these names and from languages that I'm not really fluent in. Yeah, and I like I like listening to it. So this is, right on. So like you say, they they've had a really good season. On the year, their record is 56 and 19 is what I have for the 2018 season. Okay. Which is obviously a very strong record mm-hmm. at uh, a 75% win percentage, pretty much right on there. If you look at the events that they've played in, uh, the thing about this team is that they play a lot. That's uh, one way to get your points and up your earnings is to play a lot. Yeah, they play in, they spend most of the year, the curling season, in Canada. That's right, based out of uh, Ottawa here, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right, yeah, because they're at the Ottawa Curling Club a lot. They practice there. Yes. So they, they take advantage of the good ice. And we'll talk about the good ice that the team Holman gets to practice on at the Ottawa and the women's one. But, yeah, they take advantage of that. So they've been here pretty much all year. What's interesting is, is at, we saw them at the Continental Cup. And I, I got the chance to talk to Nicodine again in the media scrum area, and I asked him sort of what is the, the feeling at home for you guys, and he said, well, you know, we get some attention, but we're not there enough to really know exact, exactly how people feel mm-hmm. and what's going on. And he was not actually optimistic about the future of curling in Sweden. He feels as though the association could do a better job in promoting it and get more grassroots. I guess the numbers are down in Sweden, so. You know, you wonder if they have a good week here. And he, he said that it's not our job to boost the sport. That's not, we don't think about that. But if they have a good week here, you know, hopefully for Sweden, that could be good for the sport because they're really down to two teams. Uh, one men's women, one men's team, one women's team. So, and, and they've been traditionally a very good country. Well, that's just the thing. I mean, they've been in the mix at almost every Olympic Games mm-hmm. uh, for both sides going back. And... You know, if it hasn't happened now, is it going to happen? It's kind of like soccer in the U.S., you know? If it hasn't happened by now, I mean, is it going to happen? Who yeah. knows? It's it's one of those things that uh, he's, he's right, though. It's not their job, and they have to – they do have to be in Canada because I'd say all the tour events or 99% of the tour events are in Canada. Yep. So they have to be here to play to earn that money and to earn those points to position themselves where they have to be quite dominant at the European Championships and to uh, do well at the World Championships as well. Oh, for sure. And looking at this, at the European Championships, they only lost one game in November there. Uh, They lost to somebody who I've never heard of, Van Dorp, the Van Dorp team from the Netherlands. that vaunted Van Dorps. Yeah, yeah, they're from the Netherlands. Uh, They tried to qualify for the Olympics in that... uh, in that play-in tournament, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, fell just short. Yeah, so they won that. They beat Kyle Smith in the final. They beat Thomas Olsrud in the playoff mm. page playoff there. And interesting enough, too, they uh, they in the most recent Grand Slam in Camrose, they played John Schuster, who's representing the United States. They lost to him in the round robin. They also played Thomas Olsrud, and they beat him in the round robin. They played Kevin Cooey in the semifinal and won that game, and then lost to Peter DeGruz in the final. So four Olympic matchups there, and they went 2-2 two and two in those games. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a kind of interesting in how that matched up. They played Rashmus Sterne, the Danish team, and the Perth Masters, and beat them. They won the Perth Masters, beat them there. They beat Ulsrud there as well. They beat them twice. They also beat Peter DeCruz there. So obviously they have some pretty good success against the teams they're playing. They're not racking up these wins against lesser competition that's right there's no lack of familiarity between any of these teams 
that are going to be here at the at the Olympics, save for maybe the Italy team, who we'll get to in a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, they play a lot. They're really talented. If they get in trouble, they can bail themselves out with big weight shots. They've got the touch shots. We saw Nicodine at the Continental Cup drawing the pin mm-hmm. in a draw to the button contest against uh, Brad Gushu. And was it Brad Gushu? No, he did it against Cooey. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And he won. They both covered the pin, but he covered the pin <laughs> he better. He covered the pin better, which so, is crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's got the touch game. He's got the big weight game. Uh, there's not a lot of holes here in this uh, this team, and I think they've got to be uh, medal favorites. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. So let's move on. This next team on the list, on the merit order of merit. Yeah, the next team is Kevin Cooey, the Canadian team. They're currently third on the World Curling Tour order of merit. Fourth on the money list for this season at uh, $68,800. They're a team that everybody in Canada should be familiar with. Uh, They were put together after the last Olympic cycle specifically to make a run at 2018. And they, they performed quite well at the trials and managed to secure their berth. Yeah, so this year, 39-15 and 15 is their record on sewer. So they've played not quite as much as the Nicodine team. But what I find interesting, so this, as you mentioned, this team was put together four years ago for this purpose. Do you want to take a guess at what their record is in extra ends with the hammer over four years? The whole history of this team. Wow, what a specific and obscure statistic, Sean. I know, but this kind of blew me, blew me away. Uh, are they over? No, with the hammer. Oh, with the hammer. Okay, okay. Uh, then I'd say nobody's ever beat Nobody them. Nobody has ever beat them in an extra end when they've had the hammer. 5-0 and this year, 5-0 and last year, 5-0 and in 2016, 1-0 in 2015. So 16-0 and total. Extra end where they're trying to steal, however, if I do the quick math in my head here, they are 6-11. and 11. Careful now. 6-11, uh, <laughs> and 11. okay. So, yeah, but That's I mean... That's pretty good. That's pretty good, not having the hammer to be able to yeah. win a third of the time there with, uh, without the hammer, and you know they've got the strong front end that can set things up. Uh, I would attribute them winning with the hammer, not not knowing anything specifically, but to Ben Hebert playing those tick shots. Right. Uh, you know, it's called the Weagle, but Ben Hebert plays it uh, just about as well as anybody. Yeah. With that outturn, you know. Yeah, and they have the sweeping too, right? <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah, with the outturn. Don't ask Ben to throw an intern, and <laughs> <laughs> then you're in trouble. But yeah, they have the sweeping. I, I think Kennedy is probably a better sweeper than Lang. I, I think that would be fair to say, but the dynamic on the team when they had Lang in the house playing third. They all said didn't work. That being said, that year that they had that, they did go fifty-four and twenty-six. Yeah, I mean they're a talented team that's going to win. Yeah. But uh, to get the to where they wanted to get, which was the Olympic Games, I think they made the right choice putting Mark Kennedy in the house. Yeah, and so they win the Briar there in twenty sixteen. That season, they went eighty-nine and twenty-five. Ooh, that's a lot of curling. That's a lot, a lot of curling. But that's. Because they won the, the Briar, so you get the World Championships. True. But even so, that's a, a crazy number of games. Yeah. They played a little bit less this year, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, down in, to 54 games. In preparing for yeah. the Olympics. You know, they played in the big spiels in the fall mm-hmm. just to get ready for the, those curling trials. Yep. And were able to take a little bit of time uh, little bit of time off at Christmas and come back for the Continental Cup, then the, the Slam and Camrose in preparation to go over to Pyeongchang. Yes, and at the Roar of the Rings, we saw them 
They were undefeated up until that last draw where they played Brad Gushu in a game that didn't matter. They had first place locked up. They were in the final, and maybe a letdown, maybe trying different things, sort of testing out ice and, and different shots, and they lose that game. That's the only game they lost. Yeah, that's the only game they lost, and they were pretty dominant the rest of the week. I, there was a few close games, sure, but... I mean, they were the class of the field uh, that week. That's for darn sure. Yeah, and it comes down to that draw to the button. Oh, Essentially what, draw to the button. What a draw to the button. You know, uh, we were sitting there, and, and I was screaming, Sweep! Go! <laughs> yeah. Hard! Yeah. And uh, they made it, and the celebration, uh, the broom toss, was uh, maybe rivaling Joey Bats there for... For most many. epic uh, toss of an instrument in, in sports. I still give it to Pat Simmons when Pat Simmons <laughs> drew the button and just whipped it into like the front row, and I think that was in Calgary. Uh, that was uh, That's my favorite, but yes, it okay. was uh, uh, a very good... And Kevin Cooey with his big jump where he got about four inches off the ground. Uh, if that, that might be generous. So. Listen, uh, he's not going to the, the combine there to test his vertical leap, you know. He's right. going to the Olympics. Uh, let's not... Uh, well, let's not say anything bad about his vertical jump. Yes, no. So so <laughs> what's interesting is at the Continental Cup, they played the Adin team in the, uh, I think it was Saturday night in the last team round robin uh, game in the men's thing. And Kevin Cooey won that game. And then in the semifinal of the Grand Slam, Nick Adin returned. So they're coming off, they've played each other a couple times in the past month, and they're one on one, and mm-hmm. and I think most people would expect this to be a final. I think that would be the, you know, sort of the odds-on favorite in Vegas. Yeah, looking at the the rest of the field here, I'd say these two. If these two don't make the final, that's an upset. I would think so, absolutely. So so those two are, are certainly the favorites, and it's represented by the fact that they're the tie, two highest ranked teams. That's right on the uh, on the list. So next up on the list. Next on the order of merit is the Swiss team, uh, Peter de Cruz, the skip, and uh, they are seventh on the order of merit, with uh, also being third on the World Curling Tour money list this year. They're ahead of Kevin Cooey uh, in earnings at just over $73,000. So they're an interesting team in that Peter de Cruz doesn't throw the fourth stone. Yes, it's Benoit Schwartz. That's right. So Benoit Schwartz is the kind of thrower when, it, it seems to me, like when he's on a roll, he's pretty deadly. Right. But the thing is, he's not quite as consistent as those other two teams we've already talked about. No, they do have their ups, they do have their downs. They are coming off that win in Camrose. That's true. They did win that. It's their first Grand Slam. Uh, Grand Slam victory. Yeah. Now, if I want to go a little like Bill Simmons, I feel as though they celebrated too much. For that, oh. you know, his theory of in the playoffs, if you celebrate a win then before it's the Super Bowl, then your next game's not going to be good. Oh. I mean, it, granted, this is a month later, but I wonder about that. I thought, like, as we watched it, I thought that was a pretty big celebration, given that it's the essentially the, the last event before the Olympics. But they won it. Good for them. Uh, Benoit Schwartz, interestingly, this is the first time that this team is in the Olympics, but Benoit Schwartz was the alternate four years ago for Sven Michel. Okay. So he's be- at least been there before, you know, done the whole thing where he walked the into the opening ceremonies. And so, you know, so many people have said over the past few months that that experience and having seen it before and not being intimidated by that moment is really important. So having him already have done that and gone through it, have some expectation, maybe talk to the team about what to expect 
that could be pretty valuable for this team. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. And, I mean, we didn't talk about it with Kevin Cooey's team, but having Ben Hebert yeah. and Mark Kennedy having been to the Olympics before, I think will provide a stabilizing force on their team. Just as, uh, as you say, Benoit Schwartz could maybe provide that same guidance for the Swiss team. Yeah, so this team is 54-29 and 29 on the season. So, again, playing about the same as the Cooey team, a little less than the, the Nicodine team. They, uh, I don't think they spend as much time in Canada, but they spend a lot of time in Canada. Certainly, uh, in part because they have that the big uh, Basel or Basel Basel Masters event in Switzerland. Okay. Of course, they have to play it. I don't know if they have to play it, but they play in it every year. So sure. they, of course, are going back there this year. They lost. Or excuse me. They were third. They came third in the. European Championships. That's right, that's right. So they, they've had a good season overall, I'd say. Um, one of the top teams here behind those two front runners of Canada and Sweden. I would put them right there in that next tier of, yeah. of teams participating. Yeah, I would think so. They, they certainly a threat to get into the playoffs, and if they're having a good week, they could beat, certainly, Jake or Jacobs, uh, Kui or Adin sure. in a and, playoff game. And they have beaten them before, yeah. both of them. So it's... You know, uh, I, I'd put Adin and Kui still in that tier right above them, but uh, Switzerland's right in that very next group. Yeah, absolutely. So, next on our list. So, the next team is number nine on the uh, order of merit list. It's Team Great Britain. Yes, Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith out of Scotland. So, I'm looking here at the uh, money list, and they're 21st on the year. Uh, they don't play as much in North America as some of the other teams. They've earned just over $20,000 for the year. But uh, their big coming out party, I'd say, was the, the European Championships. They're mm. quite a young team. Uh, they had a, a very, very good run at the European Championships, faced Nicholas Adin in that final. Yep. And I watched that game, and, you know, like, they could have won it. Uh, Smith just had a, a bad couple shots in the last end and opened that door just enough for Nicodine to come through. Yeah, because I think the score sort of overlooks how close that game was, right? 10-5 final. Yeah. But it wasn't a blowout. But I think they got a, a bunch of points yeah. in that last end. Yeah, you so know? you might look at the score and think, oh, well, he got blown out. But he really didn't. No, no, yeah. he really didn't. And he was very disappointed with himself afterwards watching some of the interviews. He he was a little distraught as saying he left it out there. Like, he he was disappointed with his with himself. Uh, he said to the reporter it would take, it would take him a while to get over it, yeah. to be honest. And... Uh, so it's that kind of emotionality that I don't know will uh, will serve him well at the Olympics if he gets off to a rough start. Yeah, you, you lose those first couple of games and maybe it spirals out of control and mm-hmm. that could be bad. And on the season, despite that great performance, they're only 37-28 and 28 yeah. on the season. So compared to the other teams we've talked about, certainly not, not great. And if you look at some of the events they've played in, and I realize that these aren't always necessarily representative of anything, but... He lost, say, at the the events in Gatineau, the big event there. He lost to Jamie Murphy in a game, for instance, right? Like, and and Jamie Murphy, great player, right? Certainly better than us. Uh, always comes out or frequently comes out of Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. but he's not a guy who you would expect Cooey or Eden or Peter De Cruz to lose to. That's on right. Any that's given right. Day. So having having those sorts of games, they, they really need to work on their consistency, you'd say. That's the thing. And this ninth place on the order of merit was really buoyed by that second place finish at the Europeans. 
Um, are they the fourth best team in this field? I would argue no. Right. But I because agree. of that consistency, they're quite young. Yeah. Uh, they're very talented for sure. And I would say on any given day can beat any team, but it's the matter of stacking those wins together throughout the round robin. Yeah, and you wonder too what's going to happen. This is obviously a big turnover for Scott, let's call it what it is, Scottish curling, mm-hmm. uh, for Team Great Britain with uh, the the David David Murdoch David Murdoch uh, retiring, retiring yeah. uh, and Tom Brewster not being around anymore. It's really a turnover, and this is the Smith team, and then that Bruce Mowat Bruce team. Mowat team, yeah. Those are the two teams, and you wonder if at some point in the next quadrennial that those two teams take the four you just take the four best players from those two teams put them together you wonder but this is really the future of scottish great britain curling for certainly the next two olympics you would think uh, at least yeah at least and and you're right they they have had a a history of putting together quote-unquote super teams of Mm. of who the best players are in the country which uh, hasn't really yielded the best results they've done quite well at at some olympics but you know, you like to have the the depth to be able to send whatever the best team is at the moment, yeah. and it's not quite there right now for for Scottish curling. But they're working on it. They're working on it. Yeah, and also Kyle Smith has a little Prince William vibe about him, just oh, in yeah? his appearance. Well, like balding. Well, yeah, we know what that's about. But <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. That just struck me as I was going through the page. Um, okay. So Team Great Britain next is a perennial favorite, someone who we've known for a long time yeah that's uh, thomas ulsrud and his team of funny pants wearing norwegians yeah they uh they really came to stardom in 2010 in vancouver, in vancouver that's really yeah. where people sort of started to latch onto them with the pants they broke out the pants in that yeah. year and and uh, i remember somebody sending me an invite on facebook to join the we love the norwegian curling pants yep. uh facebook page and you know they they've been consistent. They've been at World Championships. Uh, they've been going to the Continental Cup for quite a few years. Uh, they're always in the top half of the field at these events. Uh, I wonder if uh, Father Time might be catching up with the team a little bit. I'm not saying that they're old by any stretch of the imagination, but they're just not quite as uh, crisp as they used to be. No, they, they absolutely aren't. We saw them. He was off at the Continental Cup. Certainly, that's right. He had a yeah. tough, tough weekend there uh, for the season forty-three and twenty-eight. You wonder, as you mentioned, if this is Olsrud's last time going. Mm-hmm. That maybe it's sort of the end of the road for him in terms of just again, like when we forget, I think a lot for these European teams. We talk about it for the Canadian teams. Well, you're on the road a lot. Yes, but you can also go home in between events, or maybe take a weekend off, go home for these European teams who will come over. They're really on the road for six months. Yeah, at They're, least six months, you know. So I mean, spiel season starts in September, and then we have that Humpty's Cup there at the end of April. So yeah. it's a long season. It's a really long sure. season. So you can you, you have this. So for as much as we can say the Canadian people, well, you just hang on for another four years, whatever it is, these European teams, it's so much more of an investment time, money-wise, mm-hmm. that you do wonder after all the, the cycles that Oldsrud has gone through if he wants to keep doing it. And the only really thing missing from his resume, right, is a gold medal. That's right. He's accomplished pretty much everything else he can. I'm um, looking at the money list here. They have earned just over $32,000 this year, I think. 
my finger is in the right place, <laughs> then uh, then that's it. And they're they're tenth on the order of merit, so they're still playing enough to earn those points to to get up there. But as you mentioned, I I feel like their play has dropped just to a level below that of of Nicholas Adina and, and yeah. Kevin Cooey the past couple of years. They're still a great uh, bunch of guys to have around. They're still really a lot of fun. Uh, they'll do the pants do dance pants at, some, dance. at some point. They'll yeah. take their pants off and dance them up. I really don't know how they do it. It's quite remarkable. Uh, I think you could probably do it if you if put your to. mind to it. <laughs> but uh, but but they're uh, they're one of those teams. That they didn't get to go to the World Championships last year. They were beaten by their fellow countryman Stefan Wallstead. Mm. Uh, and that was sort of the first time that people in Canada, I think, sort of said, "What." There's somebody else. No Thomas Olsrud? Yeah. What's going on? So, like you say, this might be his last hurrah, especially at the Olympics with this new younger team coming up. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they do well, but my expectations are not uh, sky high for this Nor- yeah. Norwegian so, team. Yeah, in, 20, in 2014, they lost in a tiebreaker, so they didn't make it into that Final Four playoff after the silver medal that they won in Vancouver mm-hmm. in 2010. So maybe you come back, sort of a redemption for that, and come through, have a good week. You hope they do because, like we said, they struggled big time at the Continental Cup. Yeah, they weren't uh, they weren't that sharp. No, but again, they they put on a show. They love the spotlight. Absolutely. They have a tendency to come through big in big moments. Certainly in their careers, for the most part, they, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they, I don't think, I can't think of really any events where they've gone to big events where they go and just get blown out of the water. That's not this team's MO. So you think, hopefully for them, that, that they can have a good week. And yeah, they're, they're just fun. You like to have fun people on TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, speaking a little bit more of fun people, yeah, let's move to the next team. Let's and do it. This is number 21. So we go from number 10 on the order of merit all the way down to number 21. Uh, that's because you got a lot of Canadian, the Canadian teams, teams in there. Yeah. Uh, also a few others. But anyway, um, so this team is John Schuster, yeah. the American squad. And you want to talk about fun people. We, we already talked in our doubles preview about Matt Hamilton. Yeah. And he's the second for this team. And he brings a lot of personality to the squad. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch play because of how much they yell down back and forth yeah. to each other. Uh, John Schuster has gotten himself in amazing shape for this Olympics. Yeah, skinny John Schuster. He's he's in great shape and he's throwing really really well. Yes, and they uh, they had a great week during the Continental Cup. I talking to the the media rep for USA Curling. They are all in on this team. They. Now, I mean, it's her job to be very optimistic and all that and put mm-hmm. forward this idea that they're going to win. But they're, it, it seemed genuine. <laughs> you know, it seems like they're in, the guys themselves, you say John Schuster is, is in shape. And what's interesting, too, about John Schuster is when he was asked about why did you get in shape, it wasn't just for curling. Right? right. So it seems like, which I like because it seems like there's this calmer perspective that it's not life or death each shot, right? And I think what happened in the past with him, the, this is my take from watching him, is that he would just get so wrapped up, and if he missed, he couldn't sort of park that, and it would get in his head a bit. So now, you know, if he's thinking on these broader scales, more holistically, if you will, maybe that'll help with his attitude, and, and he can park bad shots and move on. And certainly that he was having a great time at the Continental Cup. I, mm-hmm. I don't think they got a TV game, but he was interacting with the other sheets, he was having fun. 
uh, and certainly Matt Hamilton was getting into it with the crowd. Yeah. So this is a team that they could get on a roll. They could have a really good week. And and they have had good weeks uh, at past World Championships. I mean, yeah. two years ago, bronze medal. There last year they were they were up there in the standings as well. So yeah. they're I mean they're no slouch. That's for sure. No, but here's my concern. Uh, John Schuster's record at the Olympics is not very good. At all, no, right? He did not. He's represented the United States the past two times. He has mm-hmm. he has not done well at the Olympics themselves for the season. Their record is twenty nine and twenty five, mm-hmm. so not a great record overall for the season. They did not qualify at the for the playoffs at the most recent Grand Slam, even coming off of that great week at the Continental Cup, and then most importantly for me, Matt Hamilton, as we talked about in the mixed doubles, is playing the mixed doubles. And you saw it during that game where they played, uh, I think it was the Swiss, where they gave up that six-ender in the, the eighth. Last night, yeah. To lose the game. And he was he was angry, I think understandably. He gave up a six, and he lose the game to fall to one and three. So he was angry. So I, I wonder what his physical and mental status will be and whether or not he's, he'll just be fatigued. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a valid point. You know, it's going to be the case for both of these uh, American teams. But it's it's sort of the gamble that they've taken. And we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But I understand your concerns. That it, it definitely could could cause the U.S. to get off to a bit of a slow start. Yeah. And in a nine-team round robin, as we've spoken of, in a 17-round robin, there's not a lot of time to feel the ice out and yeah. lose games. Yeah, but the maybe the biggest thrill that I've had so far on this show is that on Twitter, the account at Matt at Hamilton Matt Hamilton's mustache or whatever the actual mm. handle is follows the pod. All right, so I was very thrilled about that. So so that was exciting. But yeah, so we'll see what happens with with this. They beat uh, Heath McCormick in the American Playdowns to mm. get this spot. It was the best two to three final. Two to three in the final. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes with them. And this is, I think, this is a wild card team for me. It, if Could they're go either way, you're yeah, saying, yeah. yeah. If they're zero and three, then I wouldn't be surprised they finish one and eight. If they're three and zero, oh, they could be eight and one. I would put them right in that tier with uh, Peter de Cruz, Thomas Olsrud, and uh, Mr. Smith, Greg Smith, Kyle Smith, Kyle Smith. Jeez, oh boy, you blew it. Uh, so, so I would put them right in that same same tier. Yeah. Uh, like you say, there, there. I think they'll be in the mix for for a playoff position. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's go through the rest. Sort of zoom because we don't know a lot about these next teams. And we'll zoom through uh, the rest. Let's sort of zoom through the rests. Okay. Next, uh, number twenty three on the order of merit is the Korean team. Uh, last name Kim, shockingly for a Korean <laughs> team. But uh, that's that's their standing. Uh, home team, you know, yep. should get a lot of momentum from the crowd. Uh, they they're thirty first on the money list for this year, so you know they're not uh, they're not a a nobody team. No. They played a bit on the tour. Yeah, they have some experience, and uh, maybe that home crowd will be just uh, what they need to to uh, give them momentum. To yeah. Make so it so what's interesting here? So we're using Curling Zone, by the way, for all of our or I am for the stats for the seasons, and shout out to Curling Zone, best place to get this sort of information mm-hmm. on the internet. So in 2015, they only played 17 games 
that qualified for like tour stuff. Mm-hmm. 2016, they played 36 games. Last year, they played 38 games. And the, uh, this year, they've played 73 games. So they've really upped so They really upped it this year, playing a lot of games uh, and doing a lot of, of stuff. They came over in the fall, played a bunch of events in Ontario, and then they went out west, came back. So they were in, uh, they were in Canada for a lot of the fall. Then they went to Australia, then they came back and played in the Sioux, and then back to Japan. And then they were at the event in Camrose. Right, so they've put in a lot of time this season, knowing that they're the host team for the Olympics. They didn't have to worry about qualifying. Mm-hmm. So they've put in all the, a lot of effort to get the preparation, get the reps in, so that they would ensure that they're ready for this event. Yeah, and probably their biggest event that they would have played in would have been that Pacific Pacific Asia Championship, which they won. Mm-hmm. So, right, so that's a, I would say probably the biggest event in terms of regional events that they could play in, right. where you're playing other countries and, and that kind of thing. So that's probably their biggest event. They won that. Uh, beating the Chinese team in the final. Mm-hmm. So, big win there for them. And, and again, we don't know that much about them. Their results on tour have been not great at a lot of events. Uh, they made it to the final of an event in Saskatoon in September. They lost in the semifinal in Kitchener. They lost in the final of the Oakville Fall Classic. So, a lot of these have, like cash spiels. Mm-hmm. They, they made the playoffs in a bunch of them. But... Nothing sort of stands out as a signature win for them other than that Pacific Asia, Pacific Asia Championship. That's a hard word to say, or <laughs> hard combination of words to say. So we'll see what happens. Like we said with the mixed doubles, home crowd, uh, they've been loud for this mixed doubles event so far. So certainly they'll, they'll have a good boost there. Okay, so moving on to another team from the Pacific Asia region not so hard to say, is Morozumi, the rank from Japan. Yes, Yusuke. Yusuke Morozumi, rank number 29 on the order of merit. On the World Tour money list, they're number 16 at just over $26,000 for the season. Yeah, good season, 45 and 30 on the year is their record. They also came to Canada in the fall, played in a bunch of different events around the country, including an event in Omaha, Omaha! They played there at events in August. Uh, played in the Shorty Jenkins, the KW Fall Classic, the Canada Inns, a bunch of different events. They actually qualified for the playoffs in that Canada Inns event, lost to Glenn Howard in the quarterfinals. The Pacific Asia Championship, they won the bronze medal there, mm-hmm. beating the Australian team. So a good result for them there. Qualified for the playoffs in Red Deer. An event in Abbotsford. In the their most recent event was the Perth Masters. They did not qualify for the playoffs there, though. So not a great result in their last events. Uh, they're in Scotland in early January, but again, another wild card team that could do very well. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, bet it a lot of money on it, but yeah, they're in the same tier with uh, with Korea and the teams we'll we'll talk about. I'd say as as the lower tier of the teams at this event. Yeah, and if and just sort of going through their games here throughout the season, they've lost to the Swiss team in De Cruz. They lost to Ulrich this season. They did win a game against Kim. A lot they've lost to Schuster. As well on tour, they've lost to 
like they lost to the Cruz a few times here. So when they've been going up against the teams that they've played or are going to play here, their record isn't great. They haven't played Cooey yet uh, so far this season, so that'll be the first time this season. But in that Perth Masters there in Scotland, they lost to Nicodine, they lost to Rash Masterne, but they did beat Thomas Ulsrud. So. Yeah, and I'd say them winning that bronze medal at the Pacific Asia Championships, uh, they probably would have liked a better result. I mean, yeah. bronze medal is is fine, but looking at the rest of the teams they're playing against, the competition isn't that stiff, aside from those top three in China, Korea, and Japan. Yeah, so certainly we, we would expect them to be an upset if they make the playoffs, I would think. That's right. Now, we'll talk about the last two teams. Both these teams had to go through a qualifying tournament in order to secure their spots. So the first team is number 31 on the order of merit, and that's Rasmus Sterne from Denmark. Yes. They're we're familiar with him. He's been around a few world championships. For a long time, and I think he's made the playoffs at uh, at least one world championships, maybe more. Uh, they're, they're a squad that's pretty up and down. You know, if on a given day, if they're playing well, they can... Uh, rack uh, rack up a few points and, and pull the upset, but I would say their lack of consistency is what's held them back. Yeah, I agree. They're, for the season, they're 39-18, and 18, which is a pretty good record there. Uh, if you look at some of the major events that they've played in, at the Swiss Cup, they did not make the playoffs, and that's obviously a big event for them. They did win the Latvia International Challenger event. Hey. So there you go. There's something for you. They lost in the semifinals in Red Deer, the as you mentioned the Olympic events mm-hmm. they qualified through that beating the Czech team there uh, to to secure their last spot the Perth Masters they lost this is their last big event they lost to Nicodine in the quarterfinals of the Perth Masters mm-hmm. so they're they're the kind of team that uh, you know if they could catch lightning in a bottle we could see something special I'm not gonna bet on it that's for sure yeah. Um, they're on the money list this year. They're 40th, you know, just shy of $11,000. So not a lot of earnings. Uh, the record was not bad, but, uh, you know, they're not uh, what I would call metal favorites at this no, event. No, I agree. And then the last team to round out the field. Yeah, coming out of that Olympic qualifying tournament as well was Team Returnez from Italy. Yes. Sean's better at pronouncing the uh, first names <laughs> than I am, so... Uh, and they're ranked number 71 in the order of merit, uh, which is quite a disparity uh, from the number 31 in, in Team Denmark. So uh, they were a bit of an upset to come through that mm-hmm. qualifying tournament. Both the Czech team and the Chinese team, I'd say, would have been favored over them. Yep. They happened to just be able to come through. Yeah, and what's interesting about this team, so return as... Uh, I would just say Joel, but I'm sure there's sort of a, a different way to pronounce it. But it's spelled J-O-E-L. Joel. Uh, Joel. Uh, return as. He's o- much older than... He's not He's not throwing the last rock. So a curling zone here, it indicates that Amos Mozaner is throwing the last rock. He is 22, and he turns 23 later this year. Whereas return as there, he is 34. So a bit of an age difference there. The front end, also two young guys. So here's a situation where I don't know what they would expect from themselves. Obviously, they would want to do well. 
But here, here's a situation where it seems like it's almost reminiscent of Russ Howard going with Brad Gushu, right? An older guy to call the game, more experience, mm-hmm. but the younger guys are throwing the, the most important rocks. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic on this team. They are under 500, the only team in the field under 500 on the season at 26 and 27. They also came to Canada in the fall, but not for nearly as long. They only played two events in Canada, the Shorty Jenkins uh, events there and the Oakville Fall Classic. They did not qualify for the playoffs in either of those events. Yeah, and they're they're just above $2,400 for the year, which compared to these other teams, like compared to Nicholas Adin at over $100,000 is, is quite a disparity. I would right. say uh, this is a great experience, though, for them to get out and play against some of these great teams. Yep. Uh, let's hope that they they do well and you know enjoy their time. Yeah, their biggest event, the, I would say, the European Championships. They lost. They lost to De Cruz, lost to Kyle Smith, lost to Nicky Dean there, um, lost to Thomas Olshrud. So, you know, not a great lead up there for what you would want, but. I'd say they'd have a good week if they uh, put up one bit, one win. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably what you would expect from from this team. So those are the ten teams. Those are the ten teams that we have in the field now. Of course, everyone is dying to know, Scott. Predictions, predictions. <laughs> the game of stones. Predictions are very uh, scientific. Very scientific predictions. predictions. So I got my sheet here. Oh boy, um, where I'm putting all of our predictions for the Olympics. Sean's trusty notepad. There, look out. Yeah. Okay, so men's field, like we broke down, uh, there's a tier up there with Nicholas Adin and, and Team Canada, yeah. Kevin Cooey. I think those two are the, the co-favorites for the gold medal, I'd say. Okay, so you got them in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, those two will be in the playoffs. The next tier down, we're talking about Switzerland, we're talking about Norway, USA, maybe Great Britain in the mix. Yep. I'm going to give the nod to, to Thomas Olsrud from Norway. Okay, and boy, this is a, a real, <laughs> real tough one for me. You know, uh, the points you made about the USA team with Matt Hamilton already playing for a week is a very good one. Thank you. But you know what? I went to Vegas and I saw them play, yeah. and I'm going to put my money on Skinny John Schuster. Skinny John Schuster. We love Skinny John Schuster. Love Skinny John Schuster. And if they do well, here's the thing is, too, like NBC wants them to do well so badly because mm-hmm. they've been promoting the crap out of this team, Yeah, uh, mostly yeah. Matt Hamilton. But they've really been promoting it hard, and they want it to do well. And you can tell, too, that there's, at least in the Twitterverse of USA Olympics and USA Curling, there's some concern that the mixed doubles is not going well to this point. That's and, true. That's uh, true. And with the NHL players not being there for hockey, I think this curling event has the makings of becoming the signature sort of team sport yeah, for television. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like NBC needs stuff, right? Yeah. And they've pretty much, I think they announced that they're pretty much turning over CNBC. I think it's CNBC to curling all week. So Perfect. It's curling NBC. Yeah, right? There you go. Yeah, and Kevin Martin is calling the games. Yes, that's for right. NBC. So I don't know if they're going to make that available, stream, if they're going to make their streaming available in Canada. But for those of you who don't, uh, who don't prefer the stylings of Mike Harris and Joan McCusker, perhaps there could be an alternative if you want to watch the American games mm. uh, on there. So I will say this, though, Scott, as just because I'm reminded of it with 
Joan McCusker and Mike Harris. If you watch the stream and you don't watch the the like the main TSN stream or CBC stream, if you watch just the game stream, mm-hmm. they're leaving the mics on. Yeah, the mics are <laughs> the mics, mics are, are hot. The hot mics in between ends when they're at commercial, which is so much fun. It was one of my favorite parts of the 2014 coverage was the hot mics in between ends. It's so great to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Now, and it seems like they don't really like each other, but Devin Haru has told me that they are great friends. Yes, yes. I, I'm sure it's all in good fun. They're, yes. they're teasing. Yeah, so my picks there, Scotty, I'm going to agree with you there. Canada, Sweden, definitely, I think, make the playoffs. I want Thomas Ulgeroud to make the playoffs. I am cheering for him to make the playoffs. I am not going to pick him to make the playoffs, though. I think this Peter DeCruz team will do well. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get off to a good start and have a good week. I like the American teams, like Skinny John Schuster, like Matt Hamilton. They're a fun team to root for. You want them to do well. Based on what we've seen so far out of Matt Hamilton and my concerns over the mental and physical stamina needed to curl in that environment for 17 days in a row in order to win a medal, I don't know if anybody can do it. I, I don't mean that as a knock on Matt Hamilton. I just mean that as, I don't know if it's possible to do what he is trying to do. So for me, I think my fourth team, I might go a little off the beaten path here. And I'm going to go with this Japanese team. Oh, Morozumi. go with Morozumi and see what they can do. Right on. That's uh, that's pretty good. I'm looking here at the schedule, Sean, and uh, what you mentioned with this Swiss team, I think they've got a pretty favorable first few draws. Okay. In draw one, they're playing the Swiss team, which will be a, a bit of a competition. Well, they are the Swiss team. Oh, right. They're playing Great Britain. Sorry. There you go. Which, would be, uh, which will be a bit of competition for them. Then afterwards, they get uh, to face Italy and then uh, Denmark. So they could rack so up. So they could rack up so and then Japan. So they could build up those wins against the teams that we've identified as being a little bit lower in the field so early you, on and then have, have the other teams maybe have to catch them. Right, and and what do you think the number is? So ten teams, top four make the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, I think the number uh, is is six. Six so, wins. Six wins should get you something. Uh, at the very least, a tiebreaker, I would think. Yeah. Uh, five and four might be pushing it. Yeah, I think five and four was a tiebreak at the last Olympics. Uh, six and three is definitely the number that you want to shoot for. Yeah. As Vic would say, three losses. The losses. Don't want to get more yeah. than three losses. So you know, looking at the uh, at the draw here, how it shakes out, we'll we'll see. U.S. has a bit of a tough tough start. You know, uh, they've got Sweden in those first couple games. They've got um, uh, South Korea, which at home in in their first game, you know, could yeah. be could be a tough one. A bit of a still a learning a the ice. The crowd is against you. Yeah, yeah, it and could be tough. And I guess it's somewhat of an advantage to be playing the home team because. You know that the crowd isn't cheering when you're shooting. It'll be quiet, but for the most part. But you know, it could be uh, could be something to take into account. Yeah, and so, you're you're right. Five and four did get a tie break last time, uh, and that was the Ulzrud Dave Murdoch game. That's right. That's right. So anyway, all in all, I'm really excited for this uh, this tournament. This, yeah. this who wins? Great spiel. Who wins? Oh boy. Yeah, now you're asking me uh, all the tough questions here. Yeah. I guess that's what journalists do. That's what journalists do. Oh, and I'm not a journalist. So I... This Kevin Kui rink was put together for this purpose. Yeah. 
Ben Hebert, Mark Kennedy, been there before. I still think they're hungry for it. I think they're going to be into it. Give me Team Canada. Okay, who do they beat? They beat Sweden. They beat Sweden. And who wins the Norway-American bronze medal match? You know what? One more bronze medal for Team Norway coming out of... uh, medal. Coming out and and maybe wrapping up their careers. Okay. I, I... I want Team Canada to win. I do. I want them to do well. Maybe I just want to be contrarian because we've picked the same team during the uh, the Scotties. So I'm going to go with Sweden okay. to win that gold medal. Uh, just like Kevin Cooey was put together for this event, so was Nick Adine. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going to have them beating the Canadians in that final. And then I give me Peter DeCruz to win a bronze medal. Right on. There. And you've been a lot better with your predictions so far than I have. So far. And, and based on where we are in the mixed doubles, your prediction of China is not looking great at the moment. Hey, listen. Lots of time Lots left. Lots of time left in that event. So we will be back shortly uh, to give you our thoughts on the women's field. We'll break down that team by team as well, what to expect from the women's field. We'll also come back later in the week to recap the mixed doubles event. We might talk a little bit about where we are in the men's and women's as well. So please do follow the show at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter. You can follow Scotty at Scott Likes TV. I'm at Dr. Shawnee Fever. You can also like our page on Facebook. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and if you got questions for us, feel free to shoot them at, uh, at gameofstonespodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Gameofstonespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us there if you have any questions or comments. Well, comments, if they're nice. If you hate us, just stop listening don't you don't have to tell us about it uh, really uh, be nice on the internet people it's not hard to do so please do uh, but please do interact with us if you have any questions anything you want us to address on the show we'd be happy to take care of that for you we've also seen Scotty announcements of team breakups one team staying together made that announcement which will I'm not going to tell you right now uh, but uh, you will be excited about who that team is. So we'll start to get into that season as well after the Olympics, and we'll break all that down. Right on. So, like I said, we'll be back later in the week with the women's predictions and breakdown of that Olympic field. But until then, enjoy the games. Enjoy the mixed doubles playoffs. Hopefully Canada does well in that. For those of you listening in Canada for from the other countries, hopefully your country does well as well. And in the interim, keep your broom on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...